You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. I call out to our ancestors. I call out to those who lived well and died well in your family lines and in mine around the world as we reach all the way back to the first people. For these are the ancestors for each and every one of us. And as we reach out to the people who were here before us, We call out to them to come into our lives to help to protect us, help us to learn from those who have gone before us, and to help us to bring our own gifts to bear on the challenges of our time. We ask these people to gather round that we might be inspired to uh, innovate and change and also have the courage to hold true to those things um, that still have heart and meaning and efficacy here in the world. And let us do this in a way that is balanced so that we create the world that we would be honored to leave to those who are coming. And as these human ancestors gather around us here today, let us reach beyond the humans to that uh, web of life, to all of the many, many ancestors that were here long before there were ever humans and will be here long after, and to all of life in these, in these great, diverse, and beautiful forms. We give gratitude to you and ask you to come, be with us here today, and help us. Help us to remember the deeper truth of what it means to be a human, to find the profound courage of the human heart to create transformation and to learn to be better humans. Help us to understand who we are in the great web of life and to live in a way that, become, that we become a blessing and not a blight. And as these ancestors gather around us in human and non-human form, let us call ourselves in from wherever we might be into our head and from our head to our heart and from our heart to our belly. And let us reach down and take a moment to touch the earth And connect into our profound gratitude for life. Our gratitude for all that has been in our life that has brought us to this moment. Those many things we have learned and grown from. Those many things that are gifts along the way. And also those things that are horrific that we haven't exactly figured out yet what to do with. But we trust that we will at some point in time understand the deeper meaning in every part of our journey. And we are grateful for that journey. We are grateful for this time, pregnant and empty, and we are grateful for all that is to come. We are grateful to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming and that generosity that reminds us that everything can change, anything can change, as long as we are still breathing. So let us take a deep breath and infuse our gratitude to the earth with that breath as we begin to reach our energy down. And down through all the layers of the earth into the very center of the earth and to connect ourselves firmly there. And let us take a moment and settle into those energies that are so very different than the abundance and the diversity here on earth. But that which is before, that which draws its power from darkness, from stillness, from silence and from peace. And may we reach into the very heart of that energy and draw it up in a way that it can nourish ourselves and our own heart. And so in this way, we reach into the energy of the earth and begin to draw it up through all the layers of the earth and into our body. And in this way, we call up the wisdom of manifestation and we ask it to help us to learn how to be here in form in a good way. In this way, we draw up energies that nourish our heart and our soul and our spirit and help us to learn how to be live in a way that nourishes our body. 
We call up the energy of the earth to refresh and renew and restore and replenish all that is the essence of who we are. And may we use this energy of the earth well to take a stand, to know what we stand for, and to do in our life what has heart and meaning and build our sense of family, our sense of friends, our sense of nation based on what has true heart and meaning and to stand up for these things in our life. To open our door to those who are different than we are. To set a place at our table for those who have other ideas and are willing to share those ideas at our table. That all of us will be nourished by that which we provoke in each other. To grow, to change, to challenge and to become better people. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand this deeply, to come into deep connection with the relationships and the energies within ourself, our relationships with things in our external world, with people, with the environment, with earth, and better relationship with our helping spirits. And may we do so in a way that we can have a moment each day to connect into the oneness and that great web of life and take our right relationship with ourselves from that place in the larger fabric of things. So as we settle into these deep inner awarenesses that come to us through connection with the earth energy, let us begin to draw that energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind, up and out the top of our head, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you. And as you reach your energy up and out, out through the atmospheres and out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. As your energy moves up through this realm, let yourself caress the energies of the realms of the air and be caressed by these energies to let this realm become as real as we are able to imagine the earth realm below and to connect with the energy we find there at the heart of it all, to connect with this divine and radiant energy to see yourself in it and it in you and to draw these energies down from the sky realms above, drawing in these radiant energies and allowing yourself to receive it just as the green leaves receive the sunlight and transform it into energy for all to live and so as you draw this energy from above into your body into your day and into these proceedings do this in a way that you call in the blessing into your life call in protection devotion and commitment and the benevolence of this universe open your heart and allow it in let it fill you and allow it to radiate out from you to others we call in this energy to illuminate and inspire and to be the light the beacon when we lose our way we call this energy in and open to the great beneficence of our universe. We draw it into ourself, allow the earth energy to the sky energy to merge and mix with the earth as we send the sky energy all the way down, connecting sky to earth and earth to sky and opening up the center channel. That is the connection between these two energies, the big love energy, and let that big love awaken our human heart. And as your heart awakens, bring that crucible of transformation that lives in your heart online. Do not let it sit dormant and draw up into that crucible the fiery passions of your belly so that all that you do, you do as a manifestation of the true passions that burn only for your soul's deepest purpose. And draw down the crystal clarity of your mind that you may come to understand how to do what you've come here to do in your own time and in a way that is good for all living things. And as you bring these energies together in your heart, as very different as they are, let them mix and merge in this dynamic tension that will give birth to the third and most sacred thing, which is your own deep knowing. Perhaps it's a memory. Perhaps it's just an inkling but it's some sense within you of why you are here. And may you find courage in that very exact same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring the gifts of that unique genius to bear in the world. And for all the spirit help that you have and all that I have, I give great thanks. Give thanks for their assistance in bringing um, our gifts out to share with others. And in particular, so that all that is needed is here for those who are coming. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way for all living things.
I'd like to give gratitude to Jennifer, Joel, Julie, Katrina, and Urban Foresight for your financial contributions to Why Shamanism Now. If this show moves you in any way, moves you in the heart, please do the most central of shamanic things, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world. Do something large or small to help the show to grow. And that's what it means that the show is listener-supported. As long as the listeners support the show, the show continues. And I give great thanks to those of you who are able to donate financially, um, particularly those of you that um, set up um, a donation that comes monthly that keeps the show going. All of this is important because it does cost us thousands of dollars every year to keep the show available to you. And um, I would not be able to do this alone and I am, I am thankful for the financial assistance here at the end of the year. And I hope as we add all the numbers up that I will be able to say that once again this year, um, Why Shamanism Now has been fully supported by its listeners. And I also want to give gratitude to those of you who are not able to donate financially but do significant things um, to help the show to grow and to be stronger in your engagement with the ideas shared on the show, with your um, bringing those energies into your own journey circles, perhaps into your own practice, perhaps sharing with your own students, perhaps just using them to change your life um, since they certainly are the teachings that changed mine. So I thank you all for all the many things that you're doing to help Why Shamanism now grow and continue to be a primary source for how we all come to understand how to bring shamanic practices to bear in our contemporary life in a way that is practical and efficacious and safe. So today, our show is on doing the impossible, tools for change. So we are not live today, but if you do have any questions about the show, as always, you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. You can use the same email to get a physical address if you're not comfortable donating online. But if you do want to donate online, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air, and for that, we are grateful. So, doing the impossible – So this weekend, I had the wonderful, I mean, truly wonderful opportunity to witness my newest group of students in the cycle working with Grandfather Fire. And they've all spent the last six months since the first part of year one um, learning skills like journeying and emotional clearing and and meeting the the first challenges to um, bringing themselves and their lives into service uh, of their own authentic self and to bring that energy and the gifts inherent in that unique genius more fully into the world. Uh, So this particular group, I don't know why over the weekend of our retreat together, but um, for some reason they made me very reflective on my own life and my own path. And perhaps it's because I'm, I'm now for a few more days, um, 55 um and i'm in a room with a bunch of 30 year olds and in the beginning of this work i was the 30 year old in the room teaching a bunch of people in their 50s and 60s and sometimes 70s and i was sort of musing on that and i don't know the group made me very reflective um and all I know is that as they were there at the fire, so we're here having this dawn fire ritual and it's cold and everybody's freezing and um, the fire's beautiful and magnificent and we're having a gorgeous um, sunny day in the southwestern United States. And as all these people are releasing these various uh, versions of their fears and um, other energies, habits, patterns, collusion, whatever – that keep them from expressing their own authentic self. We actually had done a journey where they merged with the energy of their soul's purpose and asked to see through their helping spirit's eyes um, how they were blocking that energy and we worked with that for a while. And so this fire was directly connected to continuing to move those blocks out of their life. So it was a lot of big energy. But somehow as I witnessed this with this group of people, I really began to see how many of these energies were versions of being afraid that we aren't enough. And um, as I was listening to this, 
um, you know, and, and this is just like every group before them. So it's not like anything in particular was different with the group. Um, I, but I had this sudden realization that I've really never had before. I realized as this one person was sincerely saying that they gave up their belief that they weren't enough. I realized um, that I've never been enough for anything that I've ever done that mattered. And I did it anyway. So for me, shamanic practice is all about finding a way to do the impossible. Every single thing that I have done in my life that mattered was impossible. Everything was created out of nothing. Um, Particularly at the time that my own... Uh, that the cycle teachings were going through their first several rounds, the first 10 years. I was not supported by any foundation. Um, and I'm not even sure the Society of Shamanic Practitioners existed yet, um, but certainly not the foundation for shamanic studies. I was not on anybody's lists that promoted me as a teacher, and I was in many way, in many circles sort of blacklisted. So I was really doing my work with the help of my helping spirits and with the people that were willing to come and practice and really creating something out of nothing. It wasn't connected to other traditional teachings. It wasn't connected to another organization. It wasn't connected to a collective or any sort of group. And it all looked completely impossible. Everything, the shamanic healing practice, the teachings themselves. I mean, eventually out of the teachings came the community and eventually out of, uh, Uh, actually eventually out of the teachings came the cosmology and eventually out of understanding the teachings how to cosmology came the community and eventually out of all of that came the radio show i mean it's just years and years and years of of creating things out of out of nothing um and it, it all looked impossible and and frankly most of it looked fairly insane at the point of being told by spirit this is, you know, what was going to happen next. And these were the steps that I needed to take to make it happen. Um, But with the help of spirit and some common sense, you know, and a whole lot of hard work, I just did it anyway. Because what I understood there suddenly at the fire and realizing that I was never enough for anything I set out to do, ever. And I went ahead and did it anyway, was that it was in the doing of it that I became the person who could do it. And this is so critical to understand because it's equally true for everyone. This is, this is not me being special at all. This is, the, this is the situation each one of us is in relative to our soul's purpose. The doing of that purpose is first unknown because it's unique to you. And for the most part, it seems pretty impossible. And that in doing it anyway, because it's the reason that we're here, we become the person who can do it. And that to me is one of the most important messages about shamanism and co-creating my life with the assistance of my spirit help is that the fact that something feels impossible in my life has become the reflex or creates a reflex in me that's like, oh, right, okay, then I need to journey about that. I mean, no more whining, no more complaining, no more gnashing. It's like, oh, crap, impossible. Okay, well, let's journey about it. You know, let's figure out what it is that needs to happen and shut up and do it. And um, at this point in time, you know, 25 years into doing the impossible, um, and I don't mean that like doing the impossible. I mean just doing the impossible because that's what my soul's – that's the best expression of my soul's purpose that I can figure out. And these are the steps I'm being given by spirit and yes, they seem insane and impossible but I'm going to do them and and the whole energy of the invisible world you know, comes to bear and assists that boldness. So this is just the deal. It's just the deal of being people here living our purpose. So this ability to do the impossible is at the core, I believe, it is at the core of what it means to be human. This ability to think outside of the box, the ability to feel the values that truly matter in a complex situation, the ability to take risks, And the ability to take action in connection with others, those physical and non-physical. 
This ability to face the impossible and do it anyway is what makes us human. It's also what makes us humane. When faced with things that are unjust and seem impossible to change, like racism, or things that are inhumane and seem impossible to change, or things that are just plain wrong in so many ways, the list is endless. In those faced with those situations, to do the impossible is required if we consider ourselves to be humane beings. That this time that we are in is rattling the cage of our humanity. That which truly makes us human with so many systems that are fundamentally inhumane. That there is nothing left to do now but the impossible. And the beauty of a shamanic practice is we can go, oh, okay, let's do that. Because with the help of spirit and ideally each other, we can do that. So the thing about the not being enough, that feeling of not being enough, which arises. I mean, that feeling arises in my life all the time. It just doesn't matter the way it matters for some people. Because I'm not enough. I know it. I am not enough to do this. And I'm going to go do it anyway. And in the doing of it, I'll figure it out. I'll become that person. It's happened for so many years now. Uh, It's just not – it's a stumbling place but not a stopping place. But one thing that's important about not being enough is that – one is what I'm trying to say, which is that it's completely irrelevant. This feeling that you're not enough is completely irrelevant. And – It's also essential for some. So before I get too far afield, let me say that for those who tend toward ego excess and grandiosity, which some people do that, um, that's part of their life lesson here. But for those who do tend towards ego excess and grandiosity, then the sensation of not being enough is actually essential to pay attention to. You should heed it. Not to stop you necessarily, but you should heed it at least long enough to tune in and discern, is this message that I'm not enough coming from my child self? This is where it comes from for most of us. So is it coming from our child self? Therefore, I mean, if that's true, then do your clearing before you do the thing so that you do not project this unresolved issue onto others and harm them. Okay, so that's one is discern, is this message that you're not enough coming from your child self? On the other hand, if this message that you're not enough is coming from your adult self, for those who tend toward ego excess and grandiosity, which of course always covers a lack of of confidence. So I'm not saying you, you have true confidence based on your merit. Okay, I'm just saying people who tend toward excessive ego and grandiosity to cover their insecurities. If that's the kind of person that you are, and if you don't know that's the kind of person that you are, that's of course your first step. But assuming you don't do know that's the kind of person you are, because you know most people who behave that way get told by others that they are behaving that way. So it's usually not a big mystery. Okay, so anyway, assuming you are that kind of person for the moment and you are getting the sense that you're not enough you do need to pay attention one is is it your child self as i just said or is it your adult self if it's your adult self then it is most likely a deeper aspect of yourself deeper than your ego and the grandiose self that is actually desperately trying to tell you that you truly are not prepared for what you're about to do and that to go forward um, like without the proper initiation, without the proper training, without you know whatever it is, means that you will likely harm someone. It could be yourself, but it could be other people. And I see this in shamanic circles, for example, with people that come into this life with a really strong talent, really st- uh, and enough talent that they can actually skip over a lot of the basic work people like me need to do to be able to access that talent. 
and they just come in with that talent raw. They're so happy to come into shamanism because they finally understand what it is and what it's for and they begin to understand how to use it. And then they just launch ahead in that ego and grandiosity before the proper initiations have taken place. And their interpretation, yes, they can access spirit and of course they can journey and they can have magnificent journeys. But their interpretation of that journey is not accurate which it's fine if they use that to screw up their own life. But if they're starting to work as practitioners, they're going to be using it to screw up other people's lives. And this whole using our gifts to harm other people is not a good thing, right? And so so that's the one thing I would say as I launch into this whole show about doing the impossible and not paying attention to the feeling that you're not enough is if you tend toward ego and grandiosity, you do actually need to pay attention and at least ask some questions before you forge ahead. Now for the rest of us, those of us who tend toward underestimating ourselves, this sensation of not being enough is entirely irrelevant, right? And either way, whichever group we're in, we are all in this together and we all are faced at this time on this globe with the impossible, whether we look at it in terms of environmental issues or economic issues or social issues, there is no one who is free of the impossible looming before them as their responsibility to step up and do something. Okay, so yes, 2016 has been a hard year. We have lost many luminaries who died definitely before their time. And these are people who shone a light on injustice and issues in the old world system that needed to be changed. They were, um, and in this way, I think they were deeply humanitarians um, because they said no to systems of injustice and abuse through their expression of their soul's purpose. I mean, for example, David Bowie. David Bowie, by doing his work in the world in the way he chose to do it, particularly in his time, was a huge force for making gender fluidity normal for people and allowing people to see uh, magnificence in someone who was extremely um, and beautifully fluid in gender and opening up uh, and inspiring people to be open to something other than just this heterosexual or frankly, heterosexual or gay, but starting to realize it's not a binary situation in any way you look at it, that it's a fluid expression of humanity. And it's beautiful. And David Bowie, by doing his work, was a profound humanitarian in the nature of the work and the way that he did it and the way he opened up the world for people that were, you know, other than heterosexual. And that's a lot of the world. And it's beautiful. And this is a piece of diversity that we must, we meaning humanity, must learn to draw strength from, to welcome, to encourage, to support, and draw our strength as humanity from that piece of diversity, from all diversity. The prince, you know, there are no words for all that prince did with his art and his intelligence, <coughs> excuse me, and his sexuality. Um I can't even begin to say how how willing he was to lose money by making the world aware of the injustice in the music industry that didn't allow him to actually use his name, his own name. And and people may have thought it was may have thought it was odd for and and inconvenient for him to be the artist who was formerly known as Prince. But there was a big message in that in a time when most of us didn't want big messages. And so he was ahead of his time in this. There's there's so much I can't even begin all that 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 man did in the world for people who wanted the new story. Gene Wilder, you know, laughter. We cannot do this without a sense of humor. And it's one thing about doing the impossible. It is impossible without a sense of humor. We need to learn to laugh at ourselves and who we have been so we can open our heart to who we are becoming and open our heart to the clumsiness and the lack of grace and um, mastery that this this person we're becoming, that this world that we are becoming together is 
it's going to be um, messy, not just in the destruction of and the falling apart of the old world, but in the manifestation of the new. You know, we're not – you don't always look so good that first time out, you know. And he, you know, was a master at the art of laughing at yourself. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> There's someone who refused what others said was impossible and did it anyway. Alan Rickman, you know, as an actor, this man is in deep, deep service of love and decency as a human being. But his embodiment of Snape in the Harry Potter movies was was truly a man who who chose to do the impossible and potentially die for it, which of course he ultimately does. Right? Great courage to do the impossible. So the list goes on for many who inspired us deeply, gave us reason to live and to and to love on days we were having bad days. And Sadly, you know, many of these great people in this year have been replaced by people with gargantuan egos and other excesses, uh, modeling for us beautifully our deepest untouched shadow. And in that, offering us examples of the absolute worst humanity has to offer. And so what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do? We have lost many of those that inspire us, and, you know, how will we go on? Well, I think the most important thing is that we will learn from those who have gone before us. We will embody their teachings and their inspiration, and we will do the impossible, and we will become better humans for doing it. Um, I had to chuckle recently in, in, in uh, the efforts to support the water protectors at Standing Rock, Sandra Ingerman sent out an email that said, you know, I've received countless emails for me to support, to, to conduct a ritual for Standing Rock. And she says, and I have been teaching teachers for 35 years. You know, her point being, when will you all pick up your power? I don't need, you know, Sandy's saying, you don't need me. Now, granted, everyone asking her to do it was a sign of how much people love and are honored by her and honor her. But her whole point is I've dedicated my life to empowering you people. Step up and do it yourself. And this is what I think is the only possibility at this time. For those who've been inspired by someone like Sandy or someone like David Bowie, embody what that person inspired in you. Embody what these people have taught you. Bring it into the forge of your own heart and help it to shape the sword that you are and bring yourself to bear on the world and do the impossible. There is nothing less than this that we are being, that is being asked of us in this time. And so to do this, we all must act in one way or another, um, as in actually taking action in the world. And for many of you that have spent time deeply in your personal process, that is excellent. I have no complaint. And going forward, we need to be taking action in both worlds, in our inner world for transformation and in our outer world. And as those of you that have spent the last decade in your inner work, step out into action in the world, you can inspire those who have been acting to do inner work and vice versa. Those of you who have been acting in the world and not doing so much inner work, you can help those who are just stepping out to take action to do a better job in their actions in the world. We all need to help each other because the impossible sits before us. Um, so the other thing everyone needs to learn right here, right now, if you are a Why Shamanism Now radio show listener, learn this if you learn nothing else. The sentence that begins with, I am afraid, or I am not enough, or if I do that, I won't be loved, these are never valid excuses. They may be an explanation, but they are never a valid excuse to step away from the thing that needs to be done and from doing it 
in right timing. So this was floating around uh, the internet as I was preparing for this show. Um, I'm not actually, I didn't check to see if this really is credited to L.R. Nost. And I have no idea whether that person really exists or who they are. But I liked the quote nonetheless. And it says this, do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break. And all things can be mended. Not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go. Love intentionally, extravagantly, and unconditionally. The broken world awaits in darkness for the light that is you. So if we're going to do the impossible, which we don't have much choice at this point in time, we are all going to need to be involved here in the impossible. We are going to need to be able to love intentionally, which has a lot to do with our inner work. We need to love extravagantly, which has a lot to do with our actions out in the world. And we need to love unconditionally, which has to do with the quality of our own courageous hearts. But again, what I want to share with you is we have already been shown new stories. And I think a critical one happened a whole bunch of years ago, actually, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series by Josh Whedon. I think uh, it's extremely important, the end of that very, very successful series, um, because it tells a new story. Because the old story at the core the very, very core of the old world is the idea that there is a chosen one and the chosen one will save us, whether it's Muhammad or Jesus or Buddha or whoever it is, that there is one and they will save us. And, there, and that means there is one path and there is one way. And this idea of one, not oneness, but one, has frankly fueled more wars than it's done good, if you ask me. It becomes the reason we continue to divide and behave in ways that are divisive. It is the fundamental excuse for our judgment, etc. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Buffy. So, in the very, very end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, after many, many seasons of saving the world, finally the bad guys um, – I can't exactly remember who they were, but the bad guys had something to do obviously with vampires since Buffy was a vampire slayer. Anyway, um, some bad thing happened and all the big bad vampire guys were being loosed from the gate of hell, which is where her little California town was built over for those of you that didn't watch the series. So Buffy was the chosen one. And the important thing about the series was there was a one, right? And the only time the next one becomes a vampire slayer is when the chosen one dies, which happens a lot when you're a vampire slayer. And But the chosen one, as she comes into her powers, has superpowers for vampire slaying. Okay, so the, my point in all of this, in sharing Buffy with you, this, of course, happened many years ago. Joss, who I think, frankly, is quite the storyteller and the visionary, solved his problem, which is the world going to end in a bad way, which is kind of the same problem we're facing right now, except not quite so many um, obvious vampires. They're a little more hidden. Is Willow, the witch, does a spell on a power object that um, breaks the line of one vampire slayer and the powers being passed from the now dead vampire to the next vampire, sorry, the dead vampire slayer to the next vampire slayer. So she casts a a spell um, that breaks the line using a power object. I can't quite remember all the details, but the point is it breaks the lineage of the chosen one from being one to one to one to one. And it spreads the power of the chosen ones out to all the vampire slayers all around the world in all the different countries everywhere. And they all come into their powers at the same time. And they all rise up as a whole, as a oneness to defeat the badness that is about to take over the world and destroy all of life. And they win. 
And I believe Josh told us long ago a precisely what needs to happen right now, precisely the change between the old world that is deeply, that story is deeply embedded on the idea of a chosen one and the one's chosen people and this idea of one person who's going to rescue us. It lulls us into sleep. And Josh told us back then with Buffy the Vampire Slayer precisely what we needed to understand about our time right now is the time of the one is ended. That arc of life experience is done. And this is the time of oneness, a time of spreading the powers, of receiving the teachings all the teachers have given you and embodying them and bringing them into action in your life, of receiving all your superpowers, just as the spell broke the line of the oneness. It's just like now, the reality of the inhumanity of the world right now, breaking the spell of this idea that there is one way, there is one God, there is one person who's going to save you, so just sit back and keep eating chips and watching, binge-watching Netflix, and that one person will come and save you. It's over. The inhumanity of our time is telling us Uh, It's time to share the power, the superpowers, and to step up together in our great diversity all around the entire globe and do what is right for life. And so in this show, I just want to thank Josh, not only for years, years and years of great entertainment and stories, but for stories that matter, stories that are using the power of the storyteller to help us to shape the new world. Okay, so one of the things inherent in the cycle is that to create this kind of transformation, every single one of us needs to be connected to the four archetypal energies that are most present, most profoundly present for a human being to be engaged in transformation. And if we are going to ignore the fact that the impossible is impossible and go do it anyway, we will be in transformation. And so that platform, that archetypal platform that we stand on to do our transformational work involves these four archetypal energies. The healer, the warrior, the teacher leader, actually teacher leader sovereign energy all in one, and the visionary. And that you need to have equal relationships with all four of these energies to support your transformation in life. And this is a core teaching in the cycle. And where I watch people falter, it is where they do not embrace this core teaching. So my question for you, as you sit here licking your wounds from 2016 and thinking about 2017 is how can you go into the new world, the new year and the new world ready to face the impossible and do it anyway? And what can you do to better support yourself in those endeavors? And so I would suggest that you make sure that your archetypal platform is solid, meaning your relationship with all four archetypes is mature and that your platform is strong meaning your relationship with all four archetypes is healthy meaning not excessive not deficient not addictive not codependent etc so how do you do that well thankfully these archetypal energies will function in our life as helping spirits or apparently as helping spirits, through shamanic journeying. Somewhat through um, meditation, assuming you have done an enormous amount of emotional clearing. For those of you that are only meditating and not necessarily doing emotional clearing, maybe not so much. But for those of you that have done some work to open and clear your heart, um, the archetypal energies are available to you. But I strongly encourage you, if you're planning on doing the impossible, Uh, As we move into the new world and the new year, I would suggest you learn to journey. So if you do not know how to journey, 
and you're interested at all in shamanism, I strongly encourage you to find a class and learn to journey. They are all over the world, definitely all over the United States. It's not that hard anymore. There are online options. There are live online options. There are options all over the place to learn to journey. So go do it. Okay, so once you've done that, journey to the archetypes and find out the nature of your relationship with the archetype in terms of its maturity and its health. They're two different variables and they are each needed for the um, strength and, uh, of your archetypal platform to support you in doing the impossible because I didn't do the impossible alone. I did the impossible with my helping spirits regular or ordinary helping spirits and these four teachers and for the longest time I thought all I needed was these four teachers and in the whole cycle cosmology there are other archetypes ultimately that emerged but in the whole doing the impossible thing that I'm talking about here right now these are your four go-to archetypes visionary and the warrior visionary helps you understand what needs to be done and the warrior helps you figure out how to do it and in the doing of it, the warrior gives feedback back to the visionary so the visionary can continue to envision what needs to be done. All right, the healer helps you to understand what do you need to heal within yourself in terms of your maturity and your physical health to be able to step up and use your power in the world uh, in that teacher-leader sovereign energy. And as you do that in the world, shit happens. It exposes where you still need to heal, where you're still in shadow. Maybe you get broken and so you dive back into the healer energy and you heal and in doing that you become more whole, better able to teach, to lead, to stand in your sovereignty and so it goes. These energies have you constantly in a complementary dualistic relationship between each other and around you to support you in doing the impossible in your life, doing it in a good way, doing it in a way that is not excessive, that is not abusive, and does not cause you to sacrifice those things that you truly love. Because anything you truly love is part of your express soul's purpose, and that is precisely the energy that will be cultivated in doing the impossible. The issue with doing the impossible and actually doing it is that you can't do anything else. You can't continue to maintain the old story while you confront the impossible within the old story. You have to be willing to leave the rest behind. And that is the beauty of doing the impossible is it really helps to simplify your life and recognize all of the places of distraction and irritation and waste of your precious life force energy. So for each of these archetypes, you want to find out about your right relationship with them in terms of health and maturity. And then keep in mind our lovely quote here. So you're looking at your inner work and doing it, loving yourself and the inner work necessary to focus on your intentionality and in your actions in the world, things that could be extravagant, but do it anyway. And ultimately in your heart work to become unconditional with yourself, with others. We, to do the impossible that we are faced with around the globe at this time, the diversity expressed in humanity must be embraced. Men and women treated as equal. Everyone of all these different colors of their skin treated as equals. Everybody with different expressions of their sexuality treated as equals. There is no way forward to address the inhumanity that we are faced by without embracing it. Embracing that inhumanity with an intentional and extravagant and unconditional heart and finding in that mess the strength, the love, the rejuvenating power of the diverse expression of human life here on the planet. So, what we have before us is the task first of creating your help, your spirit help to do the impossible, which is your own spirit help, just who your helping spirits are, and these four archetypes. And so then the next thing to think about, if we go back to 
Charles, which we have for several shows here in a row, just to really look at what does it mean to be between stories and what is the impossible task before us. As Charles said that this is why, as we enter a period of intensifying disorder, it is important to introduce a different kind of force to animate the structures that might appear after the old ones crumble. So in his essay, he speaks to starting with empathy. Politically, empathy is akin to solidarity born of the understanding that we are all in this together. In what together? For starters, we are in the uncertainty together. And so he's speaking to being in this place of the old story falling apart and being here between stories. So the impossible strikes us here from two ways. For many, it feels absolutely impossible to let go of the old story. For example, to take your money out of all of the banks that support the oil companies in uh, that are supporting the pipeline, going through Standing Rock, and moving your money somewhere else. It feels impossible. It's not impossible. You just have to have the will to do it. But for many, many aspects of the old story and in divesting your energy from the old story feels impossible. So it's got us going that way. But for many, creating something different feels impossible. And I guess what I'd like to do really in a humble place is to put forward my shamanic healing practice, the cycle teachings as a set of teachings, the cosmology they exist in, and the community that holds those teachings in the world and makes them available to others. And all of that and how it supports why shamanism now, you know, 400 hours of how we apply shamanism in our everyday life. And all of it I think is useful. I mean, if you do it. So I would like to put that up as a red flag, waving, saying, you can do the impossible. Because I did that without support other than the spirits and the people that were willing to do it with me at the time. No money, no grants, no anything. And I did it anyway. And I'm not that special. It's just, it was the answer to the question of how to express my soul's purpose and the fact that it was impossible was irrelevant. And so this is what I'm saying is if you are listening to this show, you need to understand I had no fucking clue how to do any of it. I asked for help from spirit. I did what I was told and I did the impossible. You can too. Because there is no other way we are all going to do this together at this time. But for all of us, to hitch up our britches and learn the skills that we need to do the impossible. And for me, it's journeying so I could connect with my helping spirits and receive guidance in the face of the impossible and that which terrifies me and that which I don't want to do. It is creating healthy relationships and strong relationships with the four archetypes of the healer and the visionary and the warrior and the teacher leader sovereign energy as one. It's really about being, it's really about mastery, actually. But that word doesn't work so good anymore. Anyway, so these four archetypes. And going to them to understand how you approach whatever you feel is impossible in your life and doing it. And that the third piece that we need is to recognize our own personal work and our own personal pursuit of our own soul's purpose is no longer enough for any one of us. That we are in this inhumanity together and the only way that is going to change is if we put some effort into something that moves us together as people, as, as a people, not just as individuals exploring our personal work. But we start understanding that everything we do has a collective um, impact and that we need to also be moving and acting collectively. And so within that then, to do the impossible, you need to understand what your animating force is. In the beginning, for me, to do the impossible, my animating force was the deep need to live my soul's purpose, which was, I see now, fairly selfish at the time. But at the time, the need to live my soul's purpose and to recognize that is my one true responsibility and live it got me to the place where I could then see that that wasn't enough. And what I learned in doing that 
was that true love is actually my animating force. But it took committing to my soul's purpose to get me to that place and living it as the animating force in my life for years. So what is important about all of that is one, recognizing that your animating force may change and there's nothing wrong with that. But the more important message in that is if you are going to do the impossible, and I'm asking you to do the impossible, if you're going to do the impossible, that you need to live your life with a consciousness of what your animating force is and be aware of when you stray from that. Because I strayed from it all the time. But be aware of that. Notice your addictions. Notice your distractions. Notice your evasions. Notice your collusion and come back. Come back to your groundedness. Come back to your center. Feel again your animating force and ask again of your helping spirits, what do I do now? How do I do it now? What is the next step? And then go do it. And you will fall away and you will get up again. And the more we do this together, the more, we'll be, the more there will be someone there quickly with a hand up. I spent a lot of time without a hand up. And that's okay. That was my path. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying this would go a lot faster, people, if we were helping each other is all I'm saying. And what lies before us now as humanity, as the impossible task ahead of us is much larger than the task of living my own soul's purpose. This is much larger and much more important because truly at this time, the longevity of all of life depends on our willingness to shut up and do it, to do the impossible, to do use our skills and to do what we've come here to do with intention, with extravagance and with, with deep, deep vast love in our heart that can embrace the diversity of humanity and as we do that learn to embrace the diversity of life on earth so it's not even just limited to humans so with that said what is your animating force is it fear is it habit is it the old story is it survival which means your animating force is basically the desire of your wounded child to be safe. If you're like under 18, that's not okay. I mean, it, it may be what you find is that you're a wounded child and becoming a more highly skilled wounded child, but that is not a healthy animating force. I mean, look at Donald Trump. It is not a healthy animating force. So what is your animating force? And then once you know what it is, ask what does your heart need your animating force to be mine needed my soul's purpose to become my animating force because it was broken and it needed me to recommit to why i'm here and then once i became more closely aligned with my authentic self the question is what does your authentic self need your animating force to be and for me it became true love what will it become for you so the important thing before us is impossible, <laughs> but more important than the impossible before us is the understanding that as humans, we have teachers all around us to help us to learn what we do not yet know. Some are invisible as helping spirits and some are present. For example, Joan Halifax Roshi posted a beautiful piece recently about equanimity which goes right in line with resilience and some of the other qualities we have talked about that we need to cultivate to be spiritually mature adults in the world. And so these are qualities that we need to cultivate to be able to harvest the strength of diversity and do the impossible. And so my point is use what your teachers have taught you. Allow what has inspired you to inspire your warriorship in the world and do so in a way that is in service of a new animating force. And if you don't know what that is for yourself, take some time. Find out what it is, what it has been. But most importantly, what does it need to be to guide you true in rising to the impossible in your own life and taking action there. And notice those around you doing the same thing and give a hand or receive a hand 
and begin to build a culture and a community of people who will face the impossible of these systems of that are inhumane around us and bring our humanity to bear, our extravagant, our beautiful, our magnificent human hearts. So as we sit here at the end of 2016, let us ponder how we will go forward, how we will actively and intentionally forsake the old story, aligning in deeper truth with our hearts, opening to this time we are in between stories because we are in this together, and opening so that we can hear the song being sung in the dreaming, the song of the new story wanting to be born through our actions in the world. Do what you must to pick up that tune. Shut out the old, shut out the familiar cadence that wants to keep you deaf, dumb, and blind to that which wants to be born. Pick up the new tune. Awaken your senses to that tune. Find the most impossible thing at hand that must be done and begin doing it. I give great thanks to the ancestors and all the helping spirits that gather round to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Have a wonderful welcoming of the new year, everyone.